We're going to be taking our text from James chapter 1 that may be ringing a bell with you because it was the last teaching I did on the 10 a.m. devotional morning spot. So James chapter 1, but we'll be taking some other highlights from also a great classic passage in the Old Testament in Numbers, and that's going to be in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. It has some great parallels. And you might say, well, what's James chapter 1 about? Most of us that have been studying the Bible have found that it's a fairly popular one and yet an unpopular one. It has much to say about our life. I think that I titled it uh, last week um, something like, in the book of James, chapter 1, it was practical, spiritual, practical, and functional faith, and how I have found that to be true, and how I wish that I had moved like through it quicker and been done with chapter one in my life, but I was suspended there. The reason being is we'll take this text and you'll see what I mean. James opens the book, Common Salutation, introducing himself, bondservant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He introduces a salutation as well to the 12 tribes that are, in this case, scattered abroad. We've come from a scattering of abroad. We're here today. We are kind of a spiritual tribal formation coming together to meet with the Lord. And as of last week in his tabernacle, James chapter 1, the beginning in this very, in my opinion, popular and yet not so popular verse says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I'm going to stop there. That's a good place to stop. So, what's the application? Well, there's an attitude that we're to have with the anticipation that God has given to us through this author. We're not to presume that everything's on the glide. We're to presume that there's ruts in the road. There's going to be something that will provoke in us the need, because as we pursue this a little further down, wisdom to be asked of God. So most of us here have been towing things for a long time. Moms, you've been towing your kids around for a long time. There's a art and science to that. Men, you've been hitching up things to your vehicles, and there's an art and science to that. And so throughout the years, I've done it. I'm not saying I'm the best, but I've done it pretty successfully. So one of the things that has been a responsibility of mine is to make sure that a boat gets to the lake, a trailer hauling a lot of the stuff that is a part of our you know, home camp where you guys meet for the devotionals. And then this other little boat that uh, takes people on and off uh, the bigger boat. It's called the recon. People get to be little pirates for about, you know, 40 seconds before they meet up with the big ship. And so I'm taking the recon, this red rubber boat, 
to get it filled up with gas, and there was a there was a little incident with it. We wanted to make sure it started, and Zachary's pulling the cord, and we have the top casing off of it, and all of a sudden he said, Zach, stop, it's just bleeding gas, and it's just, oh, don't get scared. We're going to be fine. But at the time, I'm making calls, and I, I give uh, Rob a call. He's he's a farm man, but he also sent jet aircrafts and helicopters and I think rockets into this guy when he was in the Air Force. A lot of other things. He doesn't let us know, but he was he was he got pilots where they needed to go. I did too. So I said, "This is what's happening. What do you think?" And so he gave me some insights. We took pictures and exchanged, and then Zachary, with his you know stronger hands than me, we. We found out to solve the leak, other things. But we felt pretty good about what was done. And then Rob said, I'm going to follow it up and bring in my big toolkit. So my goal was to get it fresh in the tank up. And that's all I was going to do. Pull into 76. Clear gas, please. You bet. Fill it up. Well, I don't have a lot. But I'll go ahead and put any reserve in the van. OK. So started both tanks. Probably just a couple of gallons in the red one. Everything's done. Got my lights on, ignition. You know, the what you'd call the familiar patterns of taking off from a gas station. Pull up to the driveway to the 101. Left, right, left, clear. Because I've got a trailer, right, with the boat. So I'm good, good. I make my pull out. Van clears. And all of a sudden, the boat, which follows, got smaller wheels and did kind of one of these bumpy things, you know, kind of like boing. I could hear it, or at least in my mind I could. But then I heard this grinding sound and resistance in getting across the highway. And I thought to myself, is that me or somebody that I can blame? Well, it was me, and I did have to blame myself. That hurt. But I realized that something had happened, and quickly I just anticipated something's come off. And I was able to scooch into the median strip, you know, the place. And so I'll just give you an idea of where I'm at. Poncho's kind of immediately to my left, Napa kind of right in front of me, and that's where I'm, I'm moving more towards right across from Napa in that median strip lane, get centered, put on my brakes, and then I'm watching my side mirrors just to see if anybody's coming and if I'm clearing it. And so I did. And then I did the other thing, which I think was just brilliant of me. I looked again in the side view mirror so that I didn't open my door to oncoming traffic. I'm delighted to tell you, in that act of wisdom, in that moment, I spared myself from becoming a part of the door traveling the opposite direction <laughs> down the freeway. God was good to me. So then when I get out, I just might, you know, well, part of it, too, it's, it's really humiliating when those things happen. You know, I mean, everything about you being a man just goes, yeah, I didn't make that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking cameras are going out. I'm going to be the next YouTube sensation. Somebody's going to get a laugh. They probably will see me. But I got to the back of the van, and I've never had this happen. The hitch came out of the receiver. Have you ever had that happen? Now, I bought a new hitch. It's a little bit shorter than the other guys I have in the other vans. Maybe that was it. But it was brand new. And I know that I punched the holes. You know that little label that says, made in the USA, that covers the holes? And I punched it, punched it. 
And I've done this many times before. But what I think is that I assumed it being, I thought, the same length, no problem. I, the pin went through, and I'm locked and good. Well, what is now even more amazing in this, and I'll tie this all together, Spencer and the boys went with me to pull this stuff out and to get it hitched. And Spencer actually is the one that drove it home. And guess what? Under the same conditions. It did not happen to him. And praise the Lord. Can you imagine that incident happening on the 101 where it's so busy across the bridge? In other words, God really did keep things in place even though it was quite displaced. And I would have never presumed that to have happened to me. So the boat is down. It's dragged. I mean, I dragged it, what, 30 feet, maybe 40, just dragging it and finally break by coming up underneath the bumper. And so I'm there just going, oh, Lord. Pretty much like that. And I said, can I have... First of all, thank you, Lord. I'm fine. Thank you. And it looks like this is fine. Thank you. Because usually chains break like that when you're using them for a tow train. <laughs> you know, they just usually do. And, and so I'm going, thank you, Lord. I, you didn't send that boat into Napa like a torpedo. You know, or ponchos for takeout. Thank you, Lord. So as I'm looking at that and I looked up, praying, and I was praying, this guy that actually served my van and the boat came running across the street into the meeting street, right at the hitch, and he said, wow, can I help you? And I said, I, I think I've got it. So he started to try and said, no, I don't, no, I don't. I don't have it, I don't have it. I would love your help. What do you recommend? He goes, okay, I'll hold the tongue up. And if you can get the jack down, he's kind of given me directions now. Okay. And so he, like Samson, well, for me, it's like Samson, right? For you guys, it would have been just one finger. But anyway, he's lifting it up. And I was able to pull the jack down. And I said, I think I got it. And so that takes me to the point of then just, Lord, can you help me get this right? I mean, to, you know, line up a, a hitch inside the receiver, you know, the correct angle and all that. And the Lord did. And then I made sure, I looked at that hitch pin area, and I said, that's where it's got to go this time. However I missed it or however the enemy schnookered me on it, that's where it's got to go. And I proved it and tested it, took a big deep breath, prayed, can I get back onto the 101 safely, Lord? Is that possible? He says, it's possible. Check your mirrors and go when it's ready. So here's what I'm saying on this study right now. Maybe for you, you've had an incident, a consequence. And so the title, I think, is very compelling, which normally I give. And so the title that I'd like you to take down right now relevant to this is, but what if, question mark. But what if. But then I want you to follow that up with this. If not, comma, for God. Or for some of you that like to have literary play, if not for God. It is either if not for God or if not for God. It's your perspective. 
It is what that crisis may present to you. Either way, they are acts of deliverance. Either way, they represent a risk, one that either you chose to take in faith or one that the Lord allowed you to enter in for the exercise of faith. I was registered to exercise in faith in the crises that I went through to make an evaluation of how faithful God was to me. In the same regard, though, I need to be honest. What if it hadn't have worked out that way? What if, in the worst case scenario, that chain or two did not hold and, in fact, sent that into a store, a pedestrian, several cars that were traveling in either direction? What if? And in the what if, it put me into the deeper crisis of being responsible for the loss of someone's vehicle, property, or life, or all of us together lost it. Are those things possible in living life in what is the exercise of faith with what qualifies faith, and that's risk? You took a risk coming here today. Did you know statistics are that between the ages of 5 to 29, 500,000 of that age group, half a million are killed in car crashes, not accidents, crashes. There's a variety of things that are listed as contributing to that. But what I'm saying is, as you and I get in our automobiles every single day, there is the risk it says, maybe we don't come back. Some of us have experienced the heartbreak of those who have been in car crashes. Some of us have had car crashes in which we've walked away. And much like yesterday, that would have been an accident, but it could have led to a crash. It was a deliverance. So I wanted you to take down another note, and this is an acronym, okay? If the title of this for your stimulation is, but what if? And the answer found perhaps in the second statement, if not for God, or if not for God. The acronym of risk, which is a part of faith, may be encouraging to you. I just said, Lord, can I just simplify this? Can you give me something? And so this is what I feel I was given. Reliant are in that's the I, salvation's king, reliant in salvation's king. The king, the king of glory, the Lord of lords, is Jesus. He's authored every single one of our lives to the minutia of details. He's authored it. There's not a mistake from his perspective. There are just different takes that can be for us a reason to question our faith. Perhaps even a reason to question the faithfulness of God. But when I consider, you know, what we have opportunity to do 
and what we are actually told to do, it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. The falling doesn't necessarily mean demise. It might. But I believe the falling represents simply a circumstance in which your progress was halted. It was stopped. It was, it took a turn of events that you didn't anticipate. Now, we still have yet to conclude a service. We still have yet, many of us, to move in pilgrimage down that winding road. But praise God that the Lord allowed an incident to happen to me where the, the, the potential of it being less risky was sovereignly worked out. Had that been on the windies and I lost it, can you imagine that one? I can't. Not really. I'm trying not to. What I tried to focus on was how good God was in either my ignorance, stupidity. I don't think anyone of those really apply, but it was definitely a mistake. How good God was to let Spencer get it home, because I guess you ought to know, the same bumps that took it off my hitch, the receiver, he passed through the same bumps. And I remember that day. It, has a, it had a busyness to it. And I remember thinking, which I normally do, I do. <laughs> you just told us a story about not thinking. <laughs> but I remember as he was leaving the gate, I usually always pray for my guys in, in the vehicles. And I said, oh, Lord, I missed that one. Lord, would you just cover him on getting out on the freeway, getting at home, the same thing could have happened to him. It didn't. It happened to me, but the Lord covered him, and yet I was a recipient of the same request I made for him in the way that it did happen to me. Have you noticed that when we pray for the well-being and the benefit of another, that there's a reciprocating thing that eventually happens in which we say, my goodness, it boomeranged back to me. I got blessed as a result of considering another person in their time of the inevitable test. This doesn't mean demise, but it certainly would indicate to me discipline. Do you have the discipline to evaluate with a sense of awe what God just did to make even the circumstance less than it could have been or greater than you ever took notice of before? But what if? See, the answer to the but what if does come in that second area. If not for God, if not for God, who gave me life, who has said that my life can be lived abundantly, if not for God, not my government, not my family, if not for God, where would I be? What joy would I ultimately have in my life? The risk is indeed the thing that can reserve us from indulging in liberty and freedom. I think when I see it here again, it's the very thing that summons me to be serious about my faith in liberty, in freedom, and an awareness this could be my testing day today. How will I come through it? 
How will God be glorified in it? I was so overwhelmed, too, with this guy. He left his station, by the way. He might have gotten fired for me. Do you know that sometimes when you leave your position, even for reasons that are good, you lose your job? <laughs> Don't know if you knew that. You just left your position. You left two cars with the gas flowing, and one of them decided to self-serve, and you didn't get the pay, and you just lost your job. I don't know that to be true. But I remember that my heart said, I'm going to go back and give that man a thank you and a gift certificate somewhere. But I'm hoping that what it would be is a revelation of, you were used by the Lord. Do you have a relationship with God? It seems to me you do. Who would run out to help somebody like me? Risks happen. Last year, one of our great athletes from Los Angeles County, Kevin, <laughs> and an enthusiastic wave rider. You were on a wakeboard, is that right, Kevin? Yeah, I know. It, it's okay. I'll make it short. <laughs> but he got, he got behind the very raft that I'm talking about, the recon. Am I right? That was a recon? And he's skiing. Uh, I mean, he's up. He, he does this. He firefights and he wakeboards. And all of a sudden, I think I saw it from a distance, but the next thing that I remember seeing him was him ashore and just kind of not doubled over, but just hurting. And so the wakeboard, it caught a wave, I think, and then it tipped up and it slammed his elbow, I think, into your ribs. Is that right? And do we know how many ribs you broke? Just one? I think all of them were broken, but that's, you know, that's how legacies are built by truth and humility that can sit. But, uh, but I marveled at how he took it. He continued to stay in camp. He learned how to breathe and sleep with pain. And he did. But I never heard him gripe. Now, Michelle might have. I never heard him. I never heard that of him. And he wasn't worried so much about himself. And he continued to tend it as best he could. That was such an awesome display of faith while being put in a situation of risk that ultimately had a consequence. Might change it. He might not, he might not be a wake runner anymore. He might be, you know, a boat pilot. Yeah, this is me cruising. But he came on a trip, and he left with a hurt. But I know he also left in being loved on by the family of God and seeing a revelation of the Lord, personally. So what I'm saying is this. It could be anything. So those of you, men and women, that are getting prepared and ready to go, let's be sure that we are prayed up because I didn't make it through entirely James chapter 1. I took three days on that. And I may end up finishing 2, 3, and 4 for my devotional part at the lake. I felt this timely, though. Into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance. How long, O oh Lord? 
how long? And sometimes we think that's what he's provoking is the question of how long, but actually it's not that at all. It's longing for him. How, Lord? How are you doing up there on your plans? We're applauding you and how they're unfolding. Lord, we're waiting for you, not questioning you. The patience needs to be worked into my life for the endurance, for the endurance that is good for me as a man of God. I don't like what I've had to go through. I wish it were not necessarily necessary. But I do always try to think in terms of, in the all in all, have I exercised the discipline of thanksgiving and of of really just expressing to the Lord in that moment, I appreciate what you just did for me, the Lord, and for what you did for others in, in this circumstance that I would have contributed to harm. Thank you, Lord. And then again, to have this like superhero gas station pumper run across the street. He probably was evading like a hundred cars that were just... Probably hurdled them. I probably even missed it just to come out there to help me in strength that he had in humiliation that I definitely felt as like, oh my goodness, where's my mask? <laughs> I've left my mask. That's when I needed it. <laughs> oh no, wait, they recognize me because I wear the same shirt. It's If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. I'm going to just take it right simply to there and then move us over to qualities needed in trials. Find yourself on verse 19 of this same chapter. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You did not see me kick my tires. You wouldn't have seen that. Slam the door. Didn't do that. None of those things. I did make one call, two calls. I made a call to Rob and I made a call to John. I was going to have John share in my humiliation. But what we did is we prayed together. Didn't I catch you right when it happened or not afterwards? I wanted to invite him into my humiliation. But what we ended up doing was praying in consolation. Thank you, Lord. I gathered brothers that were convenient to where I felt they would be at. And we just shared. John then shared, though, to me, hey, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. I was trying to get my trailer ready to go, and and the Lord had me look down, and there were two nails or screws in my front tire is that right and you got this fixed right good see we're just we're all projects today working on projects but i wanted to say that in this and it's considered qualities may these be that which we possess that we're able to say that in my day right now rather than the incident, the crisis, the consequence, if not for God. In other words, okay, it's happened. If not, if not my way, if not the way that, that others would have as well appreciated it to happen, then may it be for God, the risk. May it be for God then, 
I really think that's got to be one of the things we say. There's risk in faith, and if not, then do it for God. Whatever it is that we do, do it for God, invest your faith, let it be determined by Him how it comes out, and I think we're going to be very surprised, again, that the acronym comes back. We in Christ, that's where we are, the King who has allowed us to be placed in his heart and who is mindful of our hearts, reliant in salvation's king. Remember, salvation is the outcome of being delivered. When we look at deliverance, I mean God pulling us from something that could be notorious. And the punctuation on that is saved for me, saved for me, saved for me, salvation for all, saved for me. And God wants you to know that he's very actively on that. Deliverance, salvation, deliverance, salvation, and testimony. Talk it up about me. There's some people asleep. Talk it up about me. Share with them what it is I do with you on a regular basis. Lord, they'll think I'm needy. You are. That's why you're a great mouthpiece. Because you are needy, but you take time to acknowledge that I meet those needs and I save you with frequency. But what if, Lord, they don't believe? I will believe, he would say to me. I will believe everything that you say regarding me. You're faithful. I trust you in the incidences. I trust you with the people in those situations. But what if, Lord, what is your what if today? And if you have a but what if, can you also include then for God's glory, if not for God, where would I be? Why isn't he worth a praise report? Why isn't he worth the scrape that I've got, the loss of that, the particular stall and the intention I had. Why isn't he then worth the wait? In Exodus, and I'll just, or excuse me, in Numbers 13 and 14, I'm just going to say one thing with regard to that. You will see that in that chapter, the spies... For Israel, God endorsed them, so don't get, you know, all FBI and CIA towards me. God called these guys spies. He wanted them to go in and basically take a big, deep look at the land. That's what Numbers 13 is all about. Moses was commissioned to send them out and to take a look, not at the potential threats that awaited them, but in the awesome blessings that God was going to give them. And I'm going to simply direct that in your attention to 13 and 14, you'll see that as a result of there being eight men out of 10 cent who passed on a bad word concerning a good God, he said, you're not going in. The two men, as you know, were Joshua and Caleb, but they got outvoted. We have that happen today in politics. Good men, good women getting outvoted by those, I would say, who have less of an interest in the godly outcome. 
But the promise is before us. And it was before them. It's just going to stall and be delayed. 40 years, as you know. The Lord says, that generation that denied me, that basically took a report, highly biased, completely inconsiderate of what I asked them to see. See, God said, you go in there and you look at the land. What did they do? They looked at everything but the land. They looked at the big guys that were taking things from the land. That God says, what, those big guys are taking? That's intended for you. They've been farming for you all these years. That's for you. Don't look at them. I got them covered. I'm going to take care of them. Remember what I did in Egypt, how I got you guys out from big guys? Those guys, they're nothing bigger. I'm going to take care of them while I take care of the land by them. They're just showing you off the stuff that they've been doing for all of these years, not even knowing that they've been doing it for you. So you keep your eyes focused on me and you believe in what it is that I have spoken to you. You're the recipients of my heart, of my blessings. So don't allow the incident, the crises, the consequence stop you from doing exactly what James has told us in that epistle. You consider it all joy when you encounter various trials or foretestings, knowing that it produces faith, or the other word, endurance, because we're in this to meet up with the finish line and to ultimately be in the face of the author and the finisher of our faith. And so I found this even to be very encouraging when the enemy comes in and mocks me, seemingly, you know, flexing his big voice in my brain, mocking me for my, I think, solid, affirm stand in the Lord. And so pairing this with James, pairing this with my incident, realizing that God is faithful, I don't have a doubt about that. But we will learn as families on this outing that we're going on, how to pilgrimage with God. I have not been disappointed with over the six or seven years we've been doing this with one time going out. It's getting bigger. You know what bigger means? It means God is perfecting a work. And your participants now in that, it will not be surprising to me if we'll have to just schedule the whole campground next year. But we want to be mindful that as we travel, let's do so in faith, knowing there are risks. But if, then let God settle that issue, not fear, 